Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to get an update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs on the new veterans' homes that they're opening this year. We're going to check in with the Minnesota National Guard's 148th Fighter Wing, and then we're going to check in with the Minnesota Patriot Guard. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. Our differences and our diversity are what makes your Minnesota National Guard team strong. Regardless of our differences in gender, sexual orientation, or identity, race, or religion, we are united in our service. What matters in the Minnesota National Guard is the content of your character, your love of country, and your devotion to serve the people in our state and our nation. In the Minnesota National Guard, there are more than 13,000 brave, hardworking, and dedicated women and men who come from many different walks of life. Soldiers and airmen of every creed, color, and background serve together with distinction and honor. Despite our differences, we wear the same uniform, serve in the same state, and salute the same flag. In the Minnesota National Guard, there are pilots and military police, mechanics and cooks, logistics specialists, and cyber experts. These brave soldiers and airmen foster a culture of acceptance, dignity, and respect. Together, we are a team standing shoulder to shoulder and protecting our great state and the United States of America, be it here at home, overseas, or wherever the call may take us. Our differences and our diversity are what makes your Minnesota National Guard team strong. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said at the opening, we're going to get an update from the Minnesota National Guard's 148th Fighter Wing. And joining me now to talk about that is Lieutenant Colonel Grant Brown, who is the commander, 179th Fighter Squadron of the 148th Fighter Wing of the Minnesota Air National Guard in Duluth, Minnesota. Colonel, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here. really appreciate you having me down. Well, it's always good to have a fellow uh, Air Force in studio today. Usually I'm, I have all these soldiers sitting around all the time, sir. It, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have uh, a fellow Air Force uh, uh, officer in the, in the studio. Sir, uh, I understand that uh, you started out at one time as an, an enlisted airman uh, a few years ago? Yes, sir. I joined uh, 1999, uh, enlisted active duty Air Force, turning wrenches on C-5s from 99 to 03. And I got out, got my degree, and I joined the Minnesota National Guard in uh, 2006, got selected for a pilot uh, training position, and I've been up at the 148th ever since then. Well, I understand you've got uh, 358 combat hours, uh, and you're a senior pilot with more than 2,000 flying hours and, and 1,180 hours as an instructor pilot. Which is which is more uh, dangerous, being an instructor pilot or flying in combat, Colonel? I guess it depends on the day <laughs> and and who you're instructing. That's right. Well, sir, uh, uh, I, the C five we haven't talked about much. It's C five Galaxy. That's one of the the big boys that hauls hauls freight. Yes, sir. It is. It's uh, was part of the. Uh, I was working avionics C fives Dover, Delaware, in uh, September eleventh, two thousand one, and uh, we. Got all those jets all refueled, and that's one of the big responsibilities to get uh, the initial freight into country, and then they can move via C-17 and C-130 around the country. Logistics. Logistics, yes, sir. Everything there that we need to support our troops, it's always important. And then, of course, up in uh, up in Duluth, 148 Fire Wing, you have the F-16s up there. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the 148th Fire Wing and the mission? Yeah, absolutely. We've got about 1,100 airmen uh, in the 148th up in Duluth. Uh, we're 18 PAA, and what that stands for is primary assigned uh, aircraft. So uh, that means that we're responsible for maintaining uh, and supporting Air Combat Command 
and Northern Air Defense with uh, 18 aircraft. Uh, we've got, as in all National Guard, we've got the federal and the state mission. And within the federal component, our Air Combat Command mission is offensive counter-air of suppression of enemy air defenses. So that's like a wild weasel. Uh, we do that with the Block 50 F-16. The other mission that we do is uh, Homeland Defense, and we sit uh, detached alert at Madison, and that's also with the F-16. And, sir, you mentioned uh, September 11, 2001. I understand the, your fighters from the uh, uh, 148 fighter, fighter Wing were some of the only aircraft in the in the air after that hit that day. Yes, sir, they were. Uh, we had the, uh, an alert detachment, and, and they did scramble and launch that day. And that's when I first learned that uh, you guys can get from Duluth to Minneapolis in short order. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> I wish uh, we talked about that earlier. I wish I could get to Duluth that fast for business, but it's not going to happen. Uh, sir, the 148th Fighter Wing, just in general, uh, when when you deploy some aircraft to wherever the mission is, you usually not only take the aircraft and the pilots, but you have to take your maintenance crews. You have to you have to be self-sufficient. Is that correct? That is correct. So last year uh, I had the opportunity to be the detachment commander uh, as we deployed uh, to CENTCOM, and we had 330 people uh, total deployed uh, with our package to Prince Sultan Air Base in Saudi Arabia. That's a third of the of the airmen from the 148. That's a lot of people gone. Yes, sir. It's quite a bit of support that goes on behind every flying hour. There's a lot of maintenance, uh, POL, munitions, a lot of uh, POL being the fuel, munitions, uh, and work that goes into every single sortie. We're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Grant Brown from the 148th Fighter Wing on Minnesota Military Radio. And, sir, uh, as I said, we have a lot of soldiers on, and when, and when the when the uh, Minnesota Army National Guard deploys, they usually deploy in larger groups and for longer periods of time. But it's my understanding that when the fighter wing goes or the 133rd goes, you maybe go more often, but it's for shorter deployments. Is that generally true? Typically we do go for about a three-month duration. Uh, and sometimes we'll rainbow with another unit uh, uh, where we split three. We take three months, and the other unit takes three months to cover a six-month request from Air Combat Command. Okay, so the whole mission is six months, but you divide it up. Seems a little more civilized to only be gone for three months <laughs> than to be gone for a year. So, Family likes it. These Army guys call us the country club, but I'm okay with that. Let's Me just, too. Let's go for a shorter period of time. It's easier on your family, isn't it? It is. Sir, uh, I want to talk to you before we get uh, we're going to talk about agile combat employment and what that means in the second segment. But before I get to that, here in Minnesota, as part of the Minnesota National Guard, uh, there are all kinds of resources and programs available to help your families when you do deploy. And I know that the, all those resources are available up in Duluth. That must make it a lot easier for you to uh, lead a, a deployment and, and knowing that there's people back here to, to take care of your families. It does. It absolutely does to know that uh, you have those resources, uh, getting those resources out to the members so they can get them to their families and and know that while you're deployed or while your uh, folks are deployed, they've got people back home uh, watching your six. And the other advantage that I've seen, sir, and heard about for, for years on the radio here is that when when Air National Guard troops go out, a lot of your troops are, are weekend uh, airmen. And they have other occupations. So when you're deployed with those 300-plus airmen, you can do more than just their AFSC or their job description in the Air Force because a lot of them bring expertise from their civilian employment. That must make things easier to, ha to handle when you're deployed as well. Yeah, it sure does. It'll surprise you uh, when you're downrange working with uh, someone who uh, may be working at the desk and you find out that they've got a, a 
PhD or they've got a, a, an advanced degree and they've got a lot of training in, in a whole other field that they could help you out. You say, all of a sudden, I'm the student now. Then you might find a, an electrician or a plumber or somebody else in there in case something breaks down. Yep. Yep. I think that gives us uh, the guard an advantage that the active duty troops might not have because whatever their job description is, that's what they know. Uh, whereas the, the guard troops are, are multidimensional, if you will. Absolutely. Great perspective. Colonel, uh, we want, as I said, we want to talk about uh, agile combat employment. We're going to take a short break. We're going to be back with Lieutenant Colonel Grant Brown from the 148th Fighter Wing and dive into what that means and, and how that affects the, the mission. Please stay with us. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking with Lieutenant Colonel Grant Brown from the 148th Fighter Wing of the Minnesota Air National Guard. And, uh, sir, I kind of skipped over that a little quickly, but uh, you've had a lot of hours in in, uh, F-16s training pilots and and, uh, some combat hours as well. Yes, sir. I've been uh, really lucky my whole life just to be in the right place at the right time and get the opportunity to to be where I'm at today. You must have taken to it right away. How how difficult was it to learn how to operate and fly an F-16? You know, the F-16 is it's a pilot's airplane. It's easy to fly. Uh, you just point where you want to go and push the throttle forward, and you're off. And it goes fast. It does. It can. <laughs> as fast as you need it to go. Well, sir, uh, we want to talk today about something called Agile Combat Employment, or ACE. Uh, and I understand, uh, in simple terms, ACE is having the ability to swiftly deploy Small teams or packages of equipment, uh, uh, or in the case of the F-16s, an airman to a to a remote location. Can you is this is this how you refer to your training, or is this how you refer to your deployments? Can you tell us about agile combat employment? Yeah, Tom, uh, ACE or agile combat employment isn't a, a brand new concept. They're just trying to put some new terminology and and codify exactly how we do ACE. Uh, so. National Defense Strategy 2018-2023, looking at a pacing or near-peer threat, we we need to look at uh, schema maneuver. So similar to uh, shoot and move or be able to maneuver from a lot of different bases r- very rapidly, ACE is all about taking a small team of aircraft, uh, a very small team of airmen. So like I said last year, we deployed a 330 airmen. Uh, this, is, this would be like four aircraft and 40 airmen, maybe 50 airmen, uh, going to an austere location where you don't have comms and computers and executing a mission. So you go with intent, uh, you go with your weapons and your fuel, you land at this outbase, and then you launch, execute your ATO mission, and then come back to get your uh, your next day's tasks and your orders. So this would be an alternative to taking everybody to a big base and doing all your missions out of the big base, and everybody in the world, the enemy and everybody, knows where you're operating from, and that might make you a little more vulnerable. So if you take these smaller teams, these ACE teams, and and, and put them on remote uh, airstrips, makes it a little more difficult to figure out where you're coming from and what you're doing. Is that, that what you're trying to? Absolutely. It's like uh, if you think of it like a hub and spoke where you have your main operating base and then you have your forward operating sites. Uh, some of those that we operated at Ascentcom last year, we went to uh, Oman uh, and uh, Thumrait, Oman, and then also Cairo, Egypt. We took a small team, uh, four aircraft. 45, 55 people, uh, depending on which uh, package. And then we integrated with the Omani Air Force or we integrated with the Egyptian Air Force on both of those events. And those were out of our initial location of PSAB, hub and spoke out to Cairo West, and then executed missions out of there. So you were training side by side with uh, our ally nations, 
to so that in the event you are called up in a in a war situation, you've been there, you've trained together, you know how to how to work together. Uh, so it's all about like uh, the adjutant general always tells me, training, training, training. Yep, absolutely. Well, when we went to Cairo, we had, we were the first U.S. F-16s to land in Cairo in 15 years, and uh, we had the opportunity to help facilitate their uh, their uh, air refueling uh, tanker currencies. And I got a great picture uh, sitting over the Mediterranean, flying fingertip off an Egyptian Air Force F-16. Egyptian Air Force F-16 is great. I'll bet that's a wonderful experience you can tell your kids about someday. Yep. Sir, I understand that in 2022, uh, the 148th deployed a large package uh, to the 378th Air Expeditionary Wing at Prince Sultan Air Base in Saudi Arabia. Would that have been the the main, and then you hubbed out from there? That's exactly what we did. Yep. We we were in uh, PSAB, or Prince Sultan Air Base, uh, for about 110 days. And then within that, we did the two different, one to Thumrait Oman, uh, 55 people and four aircraft, and then a separate one that went up to Cairo, Egypt, and that was also 55 people and four aircraft. I guess it's uh, it's not just join the Navy, see the world. You can do that in the, in the Air National Guard, can't you? You sure can. We're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel uh, Grant Brown from the 148th Fighter Wing on Minnesota Military Radio. Sir... Um, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but we've heard the term multi-capable airman. Can you tell us what that means in, in your vernacular? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of cut training in the past uh, or cross-training. Uh, that's what they called it back in the 90s when I first joined uh, as an airman. And uh, really, multi-capable airman is saying, since we can only take 50 airmen with us, uh, we have four aircraft, 50 people, we need those airmen to be as capable as possible. So not only uh, will they be uh, maybe an avionics troop uh, kicking uh, crypto or, or secure voice or some of the uh, the requirements we have there, but they may also be standing up a defensive fighting position and helping security forces, or they may be swapping tires. So it's a little bit different even though you have an, an AFSC or a specialty code for your job, you're cross-trained or multi-capable in multiple other jobs so that because we only have 50, we'll probably be asking you to do multiple different jobs on that tasking. So for our listeners out there, all you soldiers are out there, an MOS is the same as, as an AFSC in the country club, in the Air Force. It's Air Force Specialty Code. Uh, and, and, sir, I, we already explained that, so we, we're not worried about that acronym. Uh, Colonel, uh, for all these missions you go, you've gone on and, and you're using this Agile Combat Employment, or ACE, uh, what have you learned about that, and how does that help you prepare for future missions? Yeah, one of the uh, one of the things about ACE is it's really pushing the way that we operate. So we have been executing ACE uh, training and ACE events uh, for about the last uh, four years, since 2018. We started operating on our north business ramp in Duluth to practice going to austere locations, and uh, as we as we've been doing that, we've, we're starting to codify what training do we need? What are the parts and pieces that we need to take with us? If uh, we can only afford 19 people and, and three pallet positions, what is it that we really have to have uh, and who can cross-train? So that's something that uh, coming up in May, we're going to get to be on the other side of an, evaluate a little bit of an exercise. We're going to have a single C-130 out of the 133rd here in Minneapolis, uh, take 19 passengers and uh, three cargo pallets and see if we can execute missions out of Volkfield. Wisconsin. Yeah, 
I've been there. We used to we used to train summer camp over there in the one thirty third. So they'll know how to operate over at Gulf Field. Yes, sir. Sir, we just got a couple of minutes left. Uh, you've been in the in the Air Force and the Air National Guard for a long time. What would you have to say to our listeners if they were thinking about joining the one forty eighth Fighter Wing? Just do it. It's great. Uh, it's uh, changed my life when I when I joined. It's been an amazing opportunity, uh, right place, the right time, and doors just happen to to open up. I'd say uh, never give up on a dream. Uh, when I was enlisted, I didn't think I'd get a chance to fly, and uh, now I'm the commander of the 179th Fighter Squadron in charge of uh, 34 pilots, and I get to fly the jet three to four times a week. You've come a long way since 1999 when you were a guidance and control specialist on a C-5 Galaxy. Yes, sir. Did you ever dream that you'd be on this end of it and have all those hours flying? I always wanted to, never thought it'd happen. So the opportunity for our listeners, if they want to join the Air National Guard, uh, they can either go to the Form 48th or the 133rd. There's all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of jobs, uh, and there's a whole new family because you meet and work with your military family throughout your uh, uh, duty as, as, uh, uh, in the service. Absolutely. It's been a, a phenomenal opportunity to, to travel the world, uh, not, not just on deployments, but uh, training exercises as well. Uh, and it's opened up a ton of doors and, and uh, unique perspectives and some amazing people. Well, Colonel, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today in the studio. Unfortunately, you had to drive down today instead of fly one of your F-16s down, but we appreciate you being here and hearing all about uh, the great stuff that the 148th Fighter Wing is doing. Thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you, Tom. Maybe next time we'll go front seat, back seat of the F-16. What do you say? If you go a little slow, I might make it. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, sir. That was Lieutenant Colonel Grant Brown from the 148th Fighter Wing on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to check in with the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and see how they're doing opening up three new veterans' homes. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Department of uh, Veterans Affairs, three new veterans' homes opening in Minnesota. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Brad Lindsay. Are you interested in serving veterans? We encourage and welcome you to consider a career with the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. MDVA is hiring at all locations. MDVA proudly offers competitive pay, generous benefits, welcoming and supportive teams, and most importantly, meaningful careers that support and care for Minnesota's veterans. After all, they dedicated their lives to ensure our safety, and we consider it our duty to serve those who serve. To learn more, visit mn.gov careers and search Veterans Affairs or call 1-888-LINKVET. Whether you are a veteran, family member, or an individual, you can make a difference today by supporting our nation's heroes. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I said at the opening, we're going to check in with the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and talk about three new veterans' homes. And joining me is Eric Maintenon, who joined the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs as Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Health Care. He has a responsibility for the the veterans' homes, uh, as well as the Adult Day Center and Veteran Suicide Prevention. Eric, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, you joined at just the perfect time because here we are. Uh, <laughs> the perfect storm, I think. Uh, I don't think there's many states that have ever tried to open three veterans' homes within one year. You are right. 
You are right. And so you joined, you're in charge of the homes, and you got to open three new homes. And right after a pandemic, when when uh, everybody's looking to hire people, and, and now you need all of these new people. But uh, why don't we back up for a minute here? Can you give us a, an overview of the, of the veterans' homes, the ones that are already there, and then we'll get into the new three new ones? Sure, Tom. It's a, a wonderful opportunity to be here and to explain a little bit about the exciting things that are happening with uh, MDVA Healthcare. Uh, for our homes, uh, we presently have, uh, we're, or, or I will say that we're approaching close to 1,600 staff and uh, nearly 1,000 beds throughout, uh, throughout our state now. So it's an exciting time for us uh, to open these three new homes and also to provide the best quality care that we can with our presently existing homes. So I'll just say that every day is Veterans Day at the Minnesota Veterans Homes. Our mission is to serve Minnesota veterans and their families through quality health care in an environment of community uh, trust, dignity, and sharing. Our homes, uh, at our homes, we not only consider it our duty to provide the highest level of care to those who answered our nation's call, we believe it's an honor. Minnesota's eight veterans' homes are located in Bemidji, Fergus Falls, Hastings, Laverne, Minneapolis, Montevideo, Preston, and all the way up by Duluth in Silver Bay. Our vision is to continually develop and deliver safe, dignified, and compassionate health care uh, throughout our system and provide nurturing, engaging home environment for Minnesota's heroes. Additionally, I'd just like to say that our, our homes provide person-centered care that's designed and delivered according to individual needs of each resident. We operate 24-7 facilities uh, that provide a combination of skilled nursing care, specialty care units for dementia, Alzheimer's, and as you mentioned, uh, domiciliary care, rehabilitation services. We offer recreational therapy and even work therapy programs as well at some of our facilities. Eric, I want to ask you, you've got all of these homes and three new ones. We're going to talk about those in a minute, but is there is there still a waiting list for veterans trying to get into your to, to your homes? And if a veteran's getting to that point in his life where he's going to need some help, what do they do? How do they go about getting on that list? Excellent. That's a good question, Tom. We do have a waiting list. Some are on the waiting list, and they really need care immediately or, or soon after they've been placed on a waiting list. Some uh, we, have, uh, we have notified that they're, they're ready to come into our home, and they indicate to us that they're still driving, and they want to wait a little bit. So there's a, uh, two, there's a, a few different types of, uh, of waiting uh, of, of veterans that are waiting on our list. But we will say that uh, we will accommodate as best we can. Uh, and they should contact the local homes that they would like to apply to, and we have an admissions committee that will make those those decisions and help them with that process of paperwork and such. And if they do end up getting on a waiting list, you've told me uh, before we went on the air that there's some federal funds available to help with uh, to pay the cost of the civilian homes. With uh, it dep- depends on the uh, on the situation with the the veteran, but the federal VA. Uh, and, and others uh, with MDVA, we will do our best to make sure that people are provided with the care that they need. So just call 1-888-LINK-VET. We will help you. And mm-hmm. they'll take care of them. We're speaking with uh, Eric Maintenon uh, from the Minnesota Department of uh, Veterans Affairs and Minnesota Military Radio. Now, Eric, I understand you got uh, three new homes, Preston, Montevideo, and Bemidji. Uh, my understanding, the Preston home and the Montevideo home are open, and, and Bemidji is going to open up very soon. That's right. After more than a decade, Tom, of advocacy and planning, um, and more than two years after the groundbreakings, the new state veterans' homes in Preston and Montevideo have kicked off in 2024 with openings in their rep- respective communities. Bemidji is going to happen very soon as well. 
the Minnesota Veterans Homes, uh, the one located in, in Preston, admitted it, its first resident on January 3rd. Four veterans who served in eras from Korea to Vietnam, uh, that includes the four veterans from uh, eras of Korea to Vietnam. Preston was one of the, the first of the three to, uh, to open the home. Uh, longtime Preston commun- community member Walter Hansen celebrated his 91st birthday on move-in day. It was very exciting and special to see uh, new residents welcomed to the new home in addition to Walter. Uh, Hansen, an Army veteran who served in Korea in the 1950s, joked saying, it's going to be quite a shot in the arm for Preston and the area. This is going to be a nice place to live, and I'll find out very soon. Well, those, those people were waiting and watching, weren't they? They were. The entire community was excited. And you told me there was another story that uh, you had 10 veterans that were, that were in a civilian home and had to move, and you were able to help them too. We're, we're helping as many as we can. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, and keep going. You talked about yep. Preston. What about Montevideo? Well, Montevideo admitted its first residence on January 22nd. Four veterans uh, who served uh, in eras from World War II to Vietnam. Uh, the Montevideo Veterans Home is the second of the three, as we mentioned, uh, of those new veterans homes that open this year. Uh, that includes longtime Montevideo community member and World War II veteran William Holman, uh, who served in the Army Air Corps. Uh, he was the, the very first resident at the, at the Montevideo home. In fact, uh, over the years, he himself had made many trips to the state capitol, helping others understand the need for the home, and he was so honored to be the first resident to move in. Didn't know when he was making those trips, he was helping himself. Did he? <laughs> he did not. Eric, we just got about a minute left in this segment. Are you hiring? We are hiring, Tom, definitely. If people are interested in learning a little bit more about our jobs, we have our great website. It's minnesotaveteran.org, and they can let us know, and we'd be happy to talk with them as well. So the uh, the existing homes you're hiring for, the new homes you're hiring for, and I understand you need a few people over in St. Paul. We do, yes, so definitely. A lot great of good people. career jobs available, and there's some veterans' preference there, too, isn't there? There is, yes. So you've been there for how long now? Oh, about seven months. Now, how is it to work for the Minnesota Department of I veterans love Affairs? it. It's great. <laughs> it's a fabulous mission. Every day you see and meet the people that you're serving, and that makes a big difference. And you are a veteran. I am. Uh-huh. And you've been kind of training for this position your whole life. I've had more than 30 years in healthcare. yes. So this uh-huh. was a great opportunity to take care of veterans and, and of course, Slapped in the face, three new homes. Get to work, Eric. <laughs> no right. time to waste. It's been a busy time, but we're lucky to have great people, great staff to help us, fabulous leaders who are authentic in their practice, and, uh, of course, a very strong and important mission uh, that we want to serve our veterans and their families. So if our listeners want to work for the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs in your homes, what's your website? It is uh, the minnesotaveteran.org, and you can do uh, slash careers on there, and you can get to the, um, the MDVA careers uh, website. You know what? We'll just say that they can look us up as well on LinkedIn or some of the other forums that we might have available to. Or even call 1-888-LINK-VET and just say, go. I want to work at that home in Preston. They can They'll transfer the call to me. Eric, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Eric Mintonen, who is the Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Health Care, and uh, he oversees the eight uh, veterans' homes, the Adult Day Care Center that's out at the Minneapolis home, and 
uh, and veteran suicide prevention, which we'll talk about later in the show. Eric, we talked about uh, the two new homes, Preston and Montevideo, that are already open. And I think uh, Bemidji's set to open like next week. It is. It's Well, we're going to be there about t- February 12th. Uh, that is the plan for right now. We're really excited. Uh, this has been a, a long time coming, and uh, the community is super excited as well. So that will be the final of our three new homes, and we're very excited to see residents walk through those doors on opening day. The Bemidji Veterans Home has hosted numerous uh, open houses and tours, and as well as a formal flag-raising ceremony outside of the main entrance, and the community is so excited for the home to open. For all of our three new homes, we're planning a festive public uh, dedication ceremonies in each of the respective communities this summer. So stay tuned to minnesotaveteran.org slash events for upcoming details. And I'm sure we'll be back on Minnesota Military Radio as well when we announce those festive events too. We'll Mm -hmm. have you back on. Mm Now, Eric, I understand that Bemidji will be 72 homes when they're up in full. Montevideo will be 72 homes and Preston will be 54. But there's a process you have to go through in order to get certified so you can't fill all those beds immediately. You're right, Tom. Can you tell us about that process? Sure. So uh, we are we are admitting 24 residents in each of those new homes, uh, and that's where we hold until we pass our VA survey. Once we pass the VA survey, which will be later this spring, then we can continue to admit to those limits that you just spoke of. So is this the feds coming in to, to see if you're running the homes properly and, and you have to pass that first test? Is there a second stage or a third? Or once you get, you're get certified, you can go to full capacity? That would be it, yes. So the only thing that would stop you from filling all those beds after you pass that is hiring. Hiring indeed, Tom, yes. You've got to have the people uh-huh. to take care of yep, our veterans. We do. You know, Tom, the, 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 uh, the staff, the new hired staff, the uh, newly hired staff that I've mentioned, that I've talked to, uh, absolutely love it at MDVA. Uh, many of them have years of experience, like myself, in healthcare at different organizations, and they found us to be a very uh, strong have a, to have a very strong mission and a good culture that they seem to be uh, very happy with uh, in their new roles. Well, Eric, a couple of years ago, we did a live broadcast from the Minneapolis Veterans Home, and it was first time that I'd been in that one. A beautiful facility, uh, and the relationship between the staff. Not just the nurses, but food service, everybody, their relationship between them and the veterans who were staying there was it's like family. It is. And, and the day we were there, they were getting ready to have a barbecue outside. It was a nice, bright day. Uh, the veterans' homes aren't what people think. They aren't old folks' homes. They're, they're a place for veterans to go and live. And, and the atmosphere for employees, we interviewed a couple of the nurses' aides out there that day. They said they just absolutely love coming in because it's their guys. And, of course, it's mostly guys. That's going to change because we've got a lot of women that are, that are in the military now. But uh, it's, that's a big part of it. The, the staff wanted to be there. They do. The staff really enjoy the mission, and we hire on that as well. We ask them why they're interested in working with veterans. Uh, in those homes, I would say that long-term care in particular, but specifically veterans' homes, offered a, offer a staff a different experience, a more beneficial experience where they uh, get to know and build rapport with veterans. Gosh, I, you know, some of the fun activities that I've experienced there include lefts making with the, with the, uh, the staff and the, and the residents, um, parties. Um, of course, we, we play, uh, play little cards as well, and, and many field trips as well. So 
it just isn't a static uh, uh, environment. It's very dynamic and very fun. And I think all that is attributed to the great team that we have. It's really not like working in a hospital or an old folks home. This is this is a family experience, especially in these communities. I would completely agree. And the staff who I speak with on a daily basis uh, agree as well. And I read somewhere, Eric, that uh, you have a little barbershop and, and there's places for family to come and visit. And, and it's all set up to make it a good experience for the veterans. Our homes have community centers. We have a dental uh, hygienist as well. Uh, so we provide that care. We have a barber shop. It's a wonderful experience. Some of our homes, uh, like our domicile in Hastings, runs its own coffee shop, actually, too. And that's one of my favorites, Daniel's Coffee Shop, where it's run by the, by the people who live there. And uh, it's enjoyable. So maybe I'll see you there in, in Hastings sometime, and we'll have a coffee. We're speaking with Eric Maintenant from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs on Minnesota Military Radio. As long as you brought up Hastings, Hastings is what they call a domiciliary. And in, in my terms, maybe not in yours, that means veterans can go there, they can live there, they can eat there, but they have the freedom to come and go. Uh, and you've just gotten some fundings to, to completely upgrade that facility. We are super excited, Tom. The, the state has funded us uh, with enough uh uh, on a budget to uh, start the design process. We are on a waiting list for uh, the federal VA funding, uh, but we're starting the design process, and that should take uh, about a year, uh, and then we uh, we hope to move into that uh, construction phase uh, thereafter. But it's an exciting opportunity to, for us to, to move from, uh, from rooms that are um, smaller uh, and have bathrooms down the hall to uh, uh, having a single room with uh, with your own bathroom in it and a wonderful campus as well. So we're really excited, and the, the veterans there deserve it. They're going to like that. Eric, you joined at, at quite a time. You had to open three new homes, and now you got to rebuild Hastings. I hope you're used to working around the clock. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're going to handle it. Thank you. We just got a couple of minutes left. One of the other duties that I mentioned is uh, you lead the Veteran Suicide Prevention Initiative. Can you tell us what's going on in Minnesota to help reduce veteran suicide? We had uh, something called the Governor's Challenge, uh, which was uh, a, a federal and a, a VA-sponsored uh, program that we are a part of. And we've just, as of yesterday, we had a meeting where we've changed that uh, language over to a collaborative. And that is a collaborative that is w- involving state agencies, including the Guard, a federal VA, and the state from Minnesota Department of Health uh, and others like the, our departments, like the American Legion, VFW, coming together in order to help us to be aware of each other's activities and provide some synergistic uh, outcomes for our, our, our residents of Minnesota uh, who are veterans uh, in helping them to be aware of suicide awareness uh, and prevention techniques and methods and resources that we have available. One thing that we would like to promote is the buddy check. That's something that our departments are, are promoting, and you can look at that uh, online at uh, minnesotaveteran.org, and we'd be happy to give you some uh, additional information. We offer free gun locks as well and other information and training. If you'd like that, just let us know, and we'd be happy to come out and, and provide this training as appropriate as possible. And, of course, the MDVA works closely with the Commander's Task Force, which is made up of the eight federally chartered veteran service organizations, and it's a big program for the American Legion buddy checks, and this time of year it's really important, and I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Eric, we just got about a minute left. Uh, I want to go back to hiring. You're up, you've, you've been hiring for years. You're still hiring. Uh, where can people go to find out what jobs are available? 
Yep. Please, please check our website out at minnesotaveteran.org, or uh, you can type into LinkedIn uh, MDVA or Minnesota uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, and we have some job postings there as well. You know, you can even just call us and at uh, 1-88-LINK-VET, and we'd be happy to, uh, to route you over there as well. So these are some great state jobs with good benefits and an opportunity to help take care of the veterans who sacrificed so much for us. Excellent. Yes. Eric, I'd like to thank you for stopping by today, and uh, I hope you get this third home uh, built and get past that test period and fill them up. We are super excited for our veterans and our communities. Thank you, Tom, for the time. Thank you. That was Eric Maintenant, who is the uh, Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Health Care for the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Joining me now from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Craig Eugland. Craig, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. Good to hear from you again. Craig, uh, we've had a very, very unusual winter, hardly any snow and only a week or two of, of cold weather. That's got to be a, a pretty good season, uh, relatively speaking, for your riders. Uh, definitely. It makes it makes standing on the flag line much easier, for sure. Well, we hope the we hope the winter stays mild. Uh, of course, we still got February and March, and we all know that uh, blizzards can happen. So we'll just hope for the best and uh, the best conditions possible for your riders. I understand that uh, you've had a higher than normal uh, mission load. With uh, uh, unfortunately, we lost uh, quite a few veterans. Yeah, we you know we were pretty quiet through December, um, but the last month, um, especially at Fort Snelling, we've received a higher than normal number of requests for veterans funerals for homeless veterans that don't have any family or next of kin, um, which is a pretty unique flag line for us where we actually um, set our flags down and we stand as family members. So um, which is a, a, a different experience, but very heartwarming. And we're just honored that we can be there for, for those veterans when nobody else is. And Craig, I understand out at Fort Snelling that a good percentage of those people that work there are veterans, and and when they have these uh, uh, funerals for uh, people that don't have family, a lot of those people that work there come there, and then of course you're there for the flag line, and uh, none of those veterans uh, go home to see the Lord alone, do they? That that's right. That's my understanding too. Is a lot of the staff will will join us, so that's awesome. That's a terrific thing. Now, Craig, one yeah. of the one of the other missions that you go on is when we have large deployments or small deployments, but uh, the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division is heading out, and were you on the flag line for uh, that deployment ceremony? Uh, Personally, no, but the Patriot Guard um, was honored to be invited and participate in their deployment ceremony uh, this this morning, the time of our taping, um, which is always um, a, a great chance for our members to kind of recharge the batteries and um, you know we always tell soldiers we're we're here to see you off and we'll you know guarantee we'll be here when you come home so those are those are fun um, much more uplifting flag lines to attend and we've heard from a lot of soldiers on on deployments that uh, uh, they appreciate the fact that the flag lines there in, in big numbers when they leave and even more that you're there when when they come back to welcome them home and of course, that's got to be the favorite mission, to welcome them home from deployments. Absolutely. I know when we had big deployments back in 06, 07, 08, we, a lot of them came back to Fort McCoy, and we had the pleasure of meeting the buses at the border and bringing them in. And um, it's pretty awesome to be able to 
to be one of the first ones to shake their hands and, and bring them across the, the, the cheese curtain of Wisconsin and get them back to their home armories. Yeah, I remember the photos of the motorcycles before uh, before and after the buses. It was quite an experience. And uh, oh, yeah. for, for anyone that wants to join and become a, a member of the Minnesota Patriot Guard Riders, who's eligible and how do they do it? Um, the only requirement is you have to um, have the heart and want to show your respect for our fallen. You don't have to be a veteran. I, personally, I'm not a veteran. I wasn't able to serve. Um, you do not have to ride a motorcycle. Five months of the year, nobody rides a motorcycle in Minnesota, or very few anyway. Um, so you can come in your car, um, you know, men, women. We have kids on our flag lines. Everybody's welcome as long as you're willing to show respect. Um, just sign up on our website, which is mnpatriotguard.com. Uh, left side, you just put in your zip code and email, and you'll get on our email weekly email list and have access to our mission calendar. So I encourage all of our listeners to sign up to become a Minnesota Patriot Guard writer. Craig, we're just about out of time. Thanks for joining me today on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. That was Craig Euglin from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Lieutenant Colonel Grant Brown from the 148th Fighter Wing, Eric Maitland, Deputy Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, Craig Euglin, from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard, Commissioner Brad Lindsay of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we talk about veterans, survivor benefits, and a new Beyond the Yellow Ribbon company. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at Minnesota Military. Radio.com.